This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 70. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk about how to remotely manage your portfolio, even if it's distributed all over the country. And with me to talk about that today is Dana Dunford, CEO of Hemlin, which is a technology property management solution. She kind of got started with this stuff when a friend called to help her create a simple spreadsheet tool to self-manage his real estate investments. And one of his properties got destroyed from poor management. Uh, it was because of screening. And before she knew it, they were firing a property manager because they didn't trust him. So she had multiple friends and family in the business and having rentals and having issue after issue. And uh, so she wanted to help them. And that's when she created Hemlin to provide an affordable solution through software technology to centrally manage, self-manage a portfolio that may be all over the country. She previously worked at Apple was she on the worldwide financial planning team and for a company called Nest that was acquired by Google for $3.2 billion. She was in business development. So very interesting career, really nice person. She's developed a very nice technology. I've seen it myself. And we really talk about kind of at challenges around self-managing property that may be remote or distributed. We talk about the most costly expense and how to fix it ways to quickly improve the management if it's not going so well, why she thinks property managers are so hated, but why she loves them, why she thinks investing out of area is a good idea, but how to manage it in the right way, and how to create a single view of your portfolio, even if it's all over the country, and to streamline your processes and procedures across multiple properties. So really excited about this very, very interesting topic. If you've got between two and 50 properties, you really want to pay attention to this. Hey, Dana, welcome to the call today. Great. Thanks so much, Michael, for having me. All right. Just bring us up to speed a little bit. Kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dana Dunford. I'm the CEO of Hemlane. And we are a technology-enabled solution for property management, both for property managers and real estate investors. So awesome. Very you know serious kind of description. But now I saw in your bio, I have to ask, Dana, I'm really sorry, but you say in there that... You're the first woman to win a calf dressing championship belt buckle at the California Rodeo. <laughs> what is that all about? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't have written it, that in there. But really, I grew up on a ranch out here in California. And so I, I learned the meaning of hard work. But I also learned um, a lot about teamwork. And so with two Stanford football players, we ended up competing in the California Rodeo in a sport called calf dressing, where you tackle cows and put Wrangler jeans on them. I don't think the Cowboys knew what they were getting into or who they were competing against when the three of us showed up, but ended up taking home the championship belt buckle. Unbelievable. That's that's a crazy story, Dana. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. So on to more mundane things. So that's that's good. I love I love that. All right. So today we're gonna talk about property managing remote properties or a portfolio that's kind of remote everywhere. And can your argument is, and is mine is a lot of times we have to go out of area to invest. And how do we track all that? How do we manage all that stuff, even though it's locally managed? And so you have, this is a topic that you care a lot about. And that's what we want to talk about here. To start off with in the property management space, you know, what do you think is the most costly expense 
Yeah, absolutely. Hands down, and I've seen this time and time again, the most costly expense is a bad tenant. Right. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that, right? You have turnover costs. They can destroy your property because if you're going through an eviction, you know, legal systems and depending on where you're located, it may take a lot longer than you ever thought possible. And during that time, what's their incentive to keep the place nice? So you're going to have huge turnover costs. You're going to have the cost of the eviction and then vacancy during inopportune months. It always seems that when you're evicting someone, it's in December and January when no one else wants to move. And so suddenly you have your lease broken and you're having to go through that whole turnover process again. Right. So you want to obviously avoid turnover and the eviction costs and the turnover expenses related to that. But how do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So this happens in the tenant selection process that right up front, you want to make sure that you never have the excuse that you didn't select the right tenant for your property. And there are a couple of, I'll give you three quick tips that I've noticed with it. The first one is advertise early and often. You want good tenants. You want tenants who are on top of everything. They're planners. They're not going to be moving a week before the move-in date. They're not going to start looking for a place. They're going to be looking 30 days out. So make sure you start advertising 30 days either before the vacancy or when you think it's going to become available. Advertise on many websites. According to Zillow, renters will check an average of five rental listing websites. There are hundreds of websites out there, but advertise on as many of them as possible. And that way you can say with confidence, I've advertised on as many places as possible and I've gotten to every single tenant. Respond quickly. Tenants, if they don't see that you've responded right away, they'll just move on to the ad that has. Respond immediately to them and get them into a showing. And then the biggest thing is just screening the tenants. Don't get greedy on rent. A higher price does not mean a higher quality applicant. I've seen so many people have something sit on the market for two months, they get desperate and then they take the first tenant who's actually filled out an application versus having three or four to choose from. And that goes with screen thoroughly. You know, lower credit scores, when someone has already built up credit, that's a bad sign. They can't pay their bills on time. So you should be doing comprehensive background and credit checks on every applicant in the property who's over 18 years of age, not just the primary one. Know what you're getting into. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, a lot of times people self-manage and sometimes they use property managers. Where do you fall? What advice do you have people? Should should they self-manage? Should they use property managers? When should they? When shouldn't they? That's a great question. I think it really depends on the property. And I actually think property management fees are not really aligned that well for it. And let me give you an example. If you have a class C or a class D property, and you're paying, you know, 10% of monthly rent, let's just say for a single family home to be managed. And obviously that goes down when you're more in, um, Michael, your category of, of apartments. That's actually going to take a lot more management, even though it's 10% of maybe $500. So you're paying them $50 a month. I would hire a property manager any day for that. Okay, now let's take the class A property that's in a city that goes for $4,000 a month. You know, if you're getting quotes at 8 to 10% of monthly rent per unit, you know, $400 a month is a lot. And that might be a place where you say, I can self-manage this because the tenants are most likely going to be tech savvy. I can do some things remotely. And then I really fall in the middle. So I'm a huge advocate of saying you do want some, if you're not there, which in most cases, if you're a real estate investor, you're not buying in your backyard. 
you want someone there on the ground you can trust. You want someone who's licensed, whether it's your realtor, whether it's a property manager, but you also want some sort of sense of control where you know what the numbers are, you know how well your investment's doing. And at any time, you could log in somewhere and say, hey, this is working, this isn't working. Maybe I need to allocate some more budget to you know, maintenance and repairs or upgrades for next year, where you have a little bit more control over the finances and the business without giving everything up. So I think there's a middle ground there. And I don't think for any property, there's one decision that works for everyone. Right. So some people love property managers, other ones hate them, right? And <laughs> I think you're saying that you kind of love them. Why do you love them? Oh, I love property managers. First of all, they are the ones, it's kind of actually like a goalie or defense on a soccer field. You're the first to get blamed and the last to get credit. You know, when I'm on the soccer field, I want to be on the offense because who gets the credit and gets a high five when they score a goal? It's the offense. But when you lose, who's the one who gets blamed? It's the defense. Property management is the same way. You know, when everything's good, I rarely see real estate investors tell their property managers, wow, thanks so much. I haven't had an eviction in three years on my apartments. I have been getting my cash flow every single time. It's kind of just expected. You're like, well, I did the numbers. I put them in an Excel spreadsheet and it showed me that these are the rents I should be getting and I should have minimal vacancy and turnover costs. So my property manager is just doing what they should. So they're the defense. Property manager then gets blamed. The second something goes wrong, you're like, why did you allow that eviction to happen? And that's why I do think transparency is really good. The second reason I think property managers are so hated is they have to be a jack of all trades. Last time I checked, who is really good at accounting and finance, also really good at maintenance and repairs, and also really good at selling properties and being a salesperson. As a property manager, you have to be a jack of all trades. And that is really difficult. And, you know, one of the things that I advocate for is, you know, how do you make the property manager look like the offense on the field, not the defense? And that's what we're really about is making sure that they're able to look like the offense. And and I talk to property managers and consult them a lot on that to say, how do you make it where you don't get blamed and you do get the credit? It's a really difficult job. Buying and selling properties is a lot easier. Now, when you say turn them into offense, does that mean being more proactive than reactive? Or, or what do you mean by turning them into an offense? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think communication and decision making is key. I think part of the reason property managers get blamed or they're part of the defense is they're not updating the owner's on every decision or just giving them an update, right? Because they have, if you're a property manager, you you have 200 plus properties. The last thing you have time to do is to call an owner and talk for 20 minutes about their 50 units. You know, you might do that twice a month, maybe once a month, but you're not calling them every day. And so I think communication of saying to the owners, what is your criteria for us to approve someone? What's the credit score? What else income to rent ratio, all of those things so that you say, great, per your decision making, we've approved this person because of this. So when an eviction happens, the owner says, oh, wait, that was my decision making, not the property managers. And suddenly you've turned it around and you're a property manager who's kind of like, don't worry, even though that was your criteria, I'm going to be there for you and help you through this eviction. And you turn it a little bit that way. And I think that's where the collaboration between who owns the properties that asset side of it versus who's managing them is really key in having that communication and transparency across 
the board with every owner that a property manager is working with. All right, so you use communication a lot. Let me drill down on that a little bit. What should the interaction be? If I'm the owner, how should I interact with a property manager? What's frequency and how should I interact and what metrics should I look at? Absolutely. That's a great question. The first thing I'll talk about is frequency. A lot of times when they get on the phone with you, it is right at the beginning to set the precedent and the goals of what's going on with your property. What do you expect, right, with that? And then the next times you get on the phone is when there's an issue. But if you're a real estate investor, you shouldn't be spending that much time doing weekly calls unless you have over 200 units with this property manager. Yeah, obviously you'll have a weekly call with them. There's very few times that you need to physically get on the phone and talk with them. Um, but from a metrics perspective and, and what you should get is there's technology out there. There are emails that alert you, hey, this is how many tenants are in your pipeline, applicants are in your pipeline. Here's how many people viewed the property today. All of those things as a real estate investor, I want to get from my property manager. I might not be responding to those leads, but a weekly summary that says, you know, this property, this apartment unit 305 had, you know, 20 leads and apartment 207 only had four leads. You know, that tells me something about it. And I can look at those maybe at midnight. I can look at those on Friday night, but it doesn't have to be during work hours. And it also doesn't have to be, oh, I'm required to get on a call with them. But you're able to see that stuff real time and transparent in the property management system. Right. So um, that implies that implies that the property manager has such a system, right? I mean, my, my experience has been some of the smaller property managers don't have that system and some do. And the ones and I've seen the wide spectrum of that and the ones that are using the more sophisticated systems, they actually do give you insight, real-time insight into all the key metrics, all the activity. All you got to do is log in and it basically answers all your questions, right? But if the property manager doesn't have that, it's very difficult for me as an owner to actually see what's going on. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that everyone should look at technology to some extent. You might be just starting out, but you can get things for $30 a month to just start. And that's going to one tap into the owner portal. You know, here's what the owner can see. I always advocate they can see everything, be as transparent as possible. The best property managers do that. And then on top of that, saying this is an expense up front. $30 a month, but in the future, it's going to make me get so much farther and I'm spending less time. A phone call with someone for an hour is, is more than 30 minutes or $30. And so you save actually a lot of money in the end by setting up a process and then being able to scale it as a manager. That makes a lot of sense. Now talk about some of the metrics that I as an owner should pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. As an owner of multifamily and apartments, you're not going to be able to know everything. You're not going to be in the weeds of everything. But metrics and data will help you understand what you need to drill down and focus on at any moment in time. And that might shift. One month, you might be focused on management or maintenance. Another time, you might be focused on how do I improve my process for marketing properties. But to begin with, your income statement is crucial, right? Profit and loss, looking at your revenue, looking at your expenses, and looking at your return on investment. I can't tell you how many people can't just name that off the top of their head. So when you look at your, your portfolio, and this is just an exercise for anyone listening to this podcast, let me know if you can answer these questions in the next two minutes. Leasing. If a unit is vacant this month, can you tell me what it's related to? Do you think the price is too high? Is it something to do with the unit or development in the area? Or is it conversion of leads? If you can't answer that right now, you should be able to. Tenant risk mitigation. 
for your current properties that are occupied, how positive are you that no one is subletting? You know, how positive are you that people are following your pet policy? And can you pull an inspection report for each one? And then on the financial side, risk of how likely are tenants paying? Who's on auto pay? Who isn't? How many tenants are late? And when are they typically late? And is your late fee structure incentivizing to make sure they pay on time? That type of data and stuff, you should be able to answer those questions for your property, even if you're not the one in the day-to-day. And when you see a red flag with any of those, that's when you drill down and say, how do I improve my process? Right. Okay. So speaking of improving the process, what are some ways that we can improve the overall management of this portfolio, especially if we're kind of remote? Absolutely. So I think operations is really key. What I compare it to is driving on a curvy road and you're about to fall off a cliff. That's what happens when you start your operations. It's a learning curve. And that learning curve, you don't want to fall off that cliff. And so you're going to come up with an operational process. What I'd say for someone starting out is spend your majority of your time on three things. Tenant selection, your legal contracts, and your maintenance management. Those are the biggest areas where I see management mishaps. And so, you know, what types of processes are helpful? Let's just start with legal contracts. I have language in all my leases that incentivize tenants to act fairly and within what the lease says. So, you know, make sure that across all of your portfolio, you have it where if a tenant wants to break the lease, you're not financially responsible for that. If a tenant claims damage to their own property, you're not paying for that. If a tenant doesn't want to pay rent, how do you incentivize them to pay All of those types of things, write down a list for those three things, tenant selection, legal contracts, and maintenance management of how to improve it. And you'll actually see your operations and your income and expense um, start performing a lot better. All right. So let's talk about some of these processes. Let's get in a little more detail. For example, you talked about incentives for a tenant to pay on time every time. Like what kind of clauses do you put in your lease to kind of help with that? Absolutely. So the first one is daily late fees instead of one-time late fees. If it's only a one-time late fee, what's the difference if the tenant pays on the 5th of the month or the 25th of the month? Meanwhile, as a manager and as an owner, you're sitting there having almost a heart attack until you get to the 25th of the month. So have daily late fees that incentivize them to pay as quickly as possible so you can write it off that they're no longer late. Late fees must be paid before the rent. So a tenant may think you won't go after me for $20 in late fees, but you would go after me for rent. So I'm going to pay the rent and not pay the late fees. But if you have a software system that requires them to pay the late fees first, then they can't do that. And it makes it a lot easier for you in the end to incentivize them to make sure they're paying by the first of the month. And then probably the most effective I've seen that's the newest on the technology space is reporting late payments to the credit bureau. You have to write this in your lease clause, which goes with the legal contracts, but rent is one of the largest monthly expenses and it should be factored into credit worthiness. And so the credit bureaus are starting to implement this where you can report late rent to them as long as you have a tenant social security number. And then suddenly that's factored into their credit score. The moment you tell a tenant that they start thinking a lot differently about whether they should pay on the first or the third of the month. And then, of course, check your state and county laws for this. Daily late fees, how much you can charge, all of that is very dependent on the local regions. But set up this process across all of your portfolio and then look at each state and county law to understand what you can and can't do. Gotcha. Now, you talked about centralizing the management across your portfolio. 
Can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Absolutely. So there are certain tasks that used to be decentralized. And by decentralized, I mean, you'd have your local property managers do it for you. And then centralized, you really didn't have you had a local property manager in every region. As real estate investors have realized with technology in this day and age, it's much easier for you to buy a property anywhere. And the smartest know that they might buy in Memphis this year. And next year, they might be looking in Denver, depending on what the numbers are telling them. And so there are a couple of things that I say centralize and then have your local property management offices do everything else. The biggest thing to centralize is your global process there. And so those types of things include your marketing making sure your application all the way from marketing your property to getting the applicant to signing the lease, you have a centralized process to say, these are all the things that are really important to mitigate my risk. And I need to do this regardless of where the property is and make sure my property managers do that. Um, Financials and bookkeeping, those are things I like to look at my total portfolio. It's nice if one property management office gives me one report that's completely different than another. But I would like to see all my rent together and then drill down and look at different things versus having every single office have a different process. And then maintenance tracking, maintenance tracking and understanding what your forecast is, what your budget is in the future. That will help you understand what your expenses are in the future for every single apartment complex, regardless of where it is. So you want to try to centralize your financials, maintenance track, and application screening. Now, a lot of property managers, if you have multiple properties, they may not be using the same software system, right? So how do you use some kind of technology or something to consolidate all these things? Yeah, absolutely. You will have certain property managers on different softwares. What you'd want to do is check with those property managers what systems they're currently using and do they allow you to tap into consolidating the portfolio together under one. Some of the older property management systems won't do that, but the newer ones do. And so the newer ones are on that forefront of technology saying, The real estate investor is the most important person because they're going to purchase more properties. And so how do we make it where you can add any sort of property manager or agent to the software, but there's a consolidation of all the properties together, but each local management office only gets access to their own. Our company, Hemlane, is doing that. But there are a lot of other softwares out there today that are just starting to think about how do we make it where... If you have your property on our property management software, how do we integrate those together? And so check with the property managers in their current processes and check with their software. I would honestly email their support team and ask them if they do that because they'll have a way to be able to do it, knowing that real estate investors, it's no longer a local game. Right. So if I understand this correctly, so basically you can, for example, export the financials or the maintenance things from each of these systems and then can consolidate them yourself, either in a spreadsheet or a software like Hemlin. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Exactly. You can export them. Um, Certain ones might have sophistication for APIs for it, where it's all automatically integrating in. Um, You know, we do that with QuickBooks and with um, Smart Move to TransUnion, where you can actually have an integration between different platforms and different services. But what you should do, you're right, is get an export of that data and then automatically upload it into a place that can consolidate your portfolio. You can also use, if you're an Excel guru, like you said, that's a free tool. And you can use that to download everything and then have pivot tables and formulas to consolidate everything into one. Right. Now, is this something that maybe a virtual assistant might be able to help with? 
So virtual assistants, I'm glad you asked about that. Virtual assistants are phenomenal as long as you have a good process in place. I highly recommend when you get to scale and you have a tried, tested, and true management solution to consider virtual assistants to do any sort of manual work. However, I would warn you that real estate, when you're starting out, is still local. You're still trying to find who to talk to, what the processes are, how quickly to follow up. And so before you just immediately go to virtual assistant, I would say bring everything in-house, centralize it, understand your own process, put together the documents to say, this is how I'm going to avoid evictions at all costs. This is how I'm going to make sure I have the best tenants. This is how I'm going to make sure I have the best maintenance process. Once you have all of that, you've tested your process and you've made a dummy proof, then go to Upwork and look for a virtual assistant. But don't think at the beginning you're going to be working you know, a couple hours a week. That's not how it works. In the future, you could work a couple hours a week. But at the beginning, you really need to understand the process or else you could hire someone who does something completely incorrectly. So uh, so with regards to technology, are there any other free tools that can help? So we talked about spreadsheets, of course. Any other free tools that landlords or owners might be able to use to kind of get a, a consolidated dashboard over their portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I would say, so spreadsheets are great for it. Tools like Trello out there where you can do all your task management all your maintenance, all of that for free. Um, you can do Slack for communications. So you can put all those together. Google Spreadsheets is way better than Excel, in my opinion, because you can share it. So you can tell your managers, you can make them do the work and say, toss it in here, toss it in here every week. I'll just look at it versus sending Excel spreadsheets around and trying to do version control. So those are great tools to use. I'd also say when you're just starting out, act professional. Don't give away your personal email. Come up with whatever your LLC's name is at gmail.com. Come up with a free email. Come up with a free uh, phone number. Voice Google Voice has free phone numbers. Come up with a business phone number um, and you know set up a bank account. So you can do all these things for free to make yourself more professional by using a bunch of tools and putting them together. Now talk a little bit about your company, Hemlin, here. What does your technology do to try to help centralizing the management of your remote portfolio? Absolutely. So strong believers in the best investments aren't in your backyard. So being able to say you can take any property, you can add it to Hemlane, or you can have your property manager or real estate brokerage add it to Hemlane. You can pay for it or they can pay for it. We don't care. But you have a consolidation. So you have access to all of those properties. And you have a tried tested software that anything technology can do better than humans, Hemlane does. Anything that humans do better than technology, that's what your real estate agents and managers in the area are doing, or you are doing it yourself, depending on what your needs are and, and what you're looking for from the do-it-yourself to full-service spectrum. That's awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you kind of shedding some light on the whole centralization of property management, especially in this environment where we're looking at deals all over the country, really. And it is a major issue. As soon as you have more than, say, two or three properties, you're like, ah, I really would like a central dashboard and the need for that. So you guys really are solving a need for anyone who's got even a small portfolio of properties trying to consolidate that. So thank you for that. Great. Well, thanks so much. I love your show. The people you have on it are incredible. You know, Jason Hartman talking about cyclical markets and linear markets. I think I learn um, more and more every single day. So it's been great. That's awesome. Now, how can people get a hold of you, Dana? 
Yeah, they can reach out to me at Dana, D-A-N-A, at Hemlane, H-E-M-L-A-N-E dot com. Or they can reach me via Twitter or Facebook, any of the social um, websites, as well as our company number 385-355-4361. So if you have any questions, free consultations, always. I love talking to property managers. I love talking to real estate investors. If you have something going wrong with your property management, please reach out. I can give you some just personal experience on it of how to deal with complicated situations. Awesome. Get ready for the phone to ring, Dana. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Michael. If you're self-managing real estate portfolio under 50 units, you should take a serious look at hemlin.com. H-E-M as in Michael, L-A-N as in Nancy E.com forward slash Michael Blanc. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-L-A-N-K. Hemlin.com forward slash Michael Blanc. Dana showed me, gave me a demo of the system, and it's really very interesting. It does provide a single view of multiple properties in terms of financials, work orders, your marketing leads, where they're coming from, and lease-up activity. And it's really very interesting because it allows you to plug in your local assets. So let's say you have a real estate portfolio in two or three different cities. In each city, you may have a real estate agent doing leasing. You may have a handyman or contractors in each city. You may even have someone part-time helping you kind of manage these properties. But you're, So you're pseudo self-managing, but you want a single view using some kind of technology across those. So what happens is the tenants have access to their own portfolio and they use it for paying rents, for submitting work orders, getting a list of numbers, who to call when. And those work orders are then routed to the appropriate person. For showings, for example, each of the local agents can set their own schedule. So when someone responds to one of the ads, they're driven to the Hemlin portal and they can schedule a showing and the agent then gets notified and they get to meet as well. So you can also pay bills. So if a handyman wants to get paid, you can sync up their bank account or via credit card and you can pay it right out of the portal. So it really gives you a really nice technology tool if you want to self or semi-self-manage your portfolio without hiring a completely professional management company, but you want to do it yourself but you want some technology to help you streamline all that, Hemlin is a really, really nice tool. So again, that's hemlin.com, H-E-M as in Michael, L-A-N-E, N as in Nancy, forward slash Michael Blanc. Check Hemlin out and I hope you found that useful. All right, you guys, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'll catch you on the next episode. You know, I talk about that first deal a lot and it's because it's so important I know that if I can help you do your first deal, you will be financially free in two to three years. That's what the law of the first deal says, and I observe it over and over and over again, which is why I focus all of my attention on that first deal. If you'd like to experience what it's like to do your first deal, I have a workshop coming up in October where we basically go through a deal from start to finish, all the way from finding it, analyzing it, making offers, getting under contract, doing due diligence. You're going to have to deal with twists and turns in your small group to kind of work through those things. And by the time you're done, it will be as if you've done your first deal yourself. And that's going to be in October. Uh, You can find out more information about that at themichaelblanc.com forward slash events. And that will likely become an annual event. So even if you listen to this podcast, if the workshop's already closed or it's past this date, uh, there will likely be another one posted on there. So if you want to do your first deal, 
that workshop is probably the best way to get you there the fastest. It comes with the online course, the ultimate guide to buying apartment buildings. It's included when you sign up for that workshop. In fact, I require you that you complete that before you get to the workshop. Uh, and then we will do that first deal together and your mind will be blown. Your comfort zone will be expanded and you are going to be ready to do the deal yourself. So if you want to experience your first deal, go to michaelblank.com forward slash summit. Check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. Otherwise, I'd love to see you in person and it's going to be in the Washington, D.C. area the first time around and maybe somewhere else, maybe some kind of exotic locale. We'll see. So again, would love to see you in person. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.